Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of For the Love of Money. And I am so excited for today's episode because we are sitting down with Marshall Morris. Marshall is a serial web entrepreneur and an all-around awesome dude that has built a $30 million-plus business in the pet community online. And at the same time, he has given back to that community in a huge, huge way. I can't wait for you to hear about it. Plus, we get into a deep conversation about how to get past your fears that are holding you back and how giving back to your community can springboard and grow your business in a significant way. We find out what a poor boy mindset is and how to break through it. And we have a great conversation at the end about money and its use as a tool for good and why you should unapologetically go out and follow your calling. So make sure you stick with us all the way to the end because you are about to learn and be inspired to get out there and chase down that dream that you have been wanting to chase down the entire time. All right, Marshall, my man, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Yeah, Chris, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So I was first introduced to you through a mutual friend, Lewis Howes, mm -hmm. and I was so blown away by a presentation that you gave us at our mastermind that I absolutely had to have you on the show because you've got so much value to offer everybody when it comes to building an online business. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's just we've been in, I've been in the thick of it for a long time, so... You just pick up things as you go. Well, thanks for being willing to share them. So I feel like the best way to get started is to make everybody, of course, fall in love with you with your epic background story. And I read that you grew up a humble pastor's kid who yep. sold his first company for seven figures at just 28 years old. Yep. And now you've gone on to be considered, in my opinion, and many others, one of the leaders in the internet marketing industry today. So Help us get to know you a little bit. How did you come so far so quick? Um, that's a great question. So, like, I think that I've always had, um, I've just been a driven individual. My father grew up in a poverty-stricken home. Like, they were factory workers, and he was the only one who uh, made it to college. He was the only one who, um, so they all, I mean, they, they got, they had kids at 15. Um, they lived, you know, next to the railroad tracks, literally like 10 feet from the railroad tracks. So like he grew up, the only way for him to get out of that was to educate himself and learn. He's an avid learner. So I grew up with a, mo a role model that was always reading, um, always pursuing. So he, um, so one of his, he, not only he went to school, he went to Ohio State and went on and, and got a couple of different degrees. And um, he instilled in me this idea of, first of all, hard work. So he got a degree in dairy nutrition. So he helped cows. He formulated uh, feed for cows. So we we're always on farms growing up. So like I was always, he was always on farm calls. So I'd go with him on farm calls and he would, you know, we'd be in farms. And then what he would do is he would loan me out to the farmers and, Hey, my son will just work on your farm for the weekend. And he'd drop me off. And, and if anyone knows, man, farm is manual labor. It's manual labor. And I think I made like, I literally one day I, I, I he would say, Hey, cool. All right, he, he worked the weekend and he picked, dropped me off on Thursday and picked me up on Friday, I mean Monday. And he'd be like, all right, cool, here's 20 bucks. And then eventually I was like, 20 bucks, dude? Like, I did the math once and I was making like 50 cents an hour. <laughs> and then I found out that he was paying me. Like, he, the farmers weren't even paying me. He just was like, he wanted me to work hard. So he literally said, my son will work for free, put him to work. And um, so early on, I think I developed a work ethic, and then he's an avid learner, so I think you just picked that up being around it. So it all started, and I have a, my, my personality is more of a sales personality. I just like to uh, get people excited about things and get them um, involved in, in something, stuff that I'm passionate about. So kind of putting that all together, um, I started and I definitely started out um, my fir first jobs were you know, really working one-on-one -on -one with people and selling them things. So you know, I think you start wherever I started in like the cell phone industry and things like that. It was really more about like figuring what people wanted 
and finding and finding something that had value that could meet that need. Um, and that's really where my whole world started in business. So, um, yeah, that's that's the initial part of it. The and there's a few more pieces to the long tail of it. But essentially, uh, after high school, my father was just like he was a big advocate. Like you know, I, I came from nothing and I built and I went to college and I paid for it while in college. Like he never took a loan. He just worked. So he was like, you want to go to college? Great, figure it out. So the military was a, an awesome option because they paid for everything. I was like, that's cool. They'll pay for it, whatever. And they uh, sat down with the recruiter and the guy was like, all right, listen, you know, there's this, you know, here's what we can do. And there's like this, and my parents asked the question that probably every uh, parent asks. It's like, well, what if they go to war? Like, what happens? Ah, that's not going to happen. It hasn't, there's like a 5% chance. And then 9-11 happened when I was in basic training. Oh, wow. And like day one, I was pretty much deployed. Wow. That's incredible. So, so I never got to finish actually college. So what I had to do is like they deployed me. Instead of going overseas, I got deployed in New York City with a top secret clearance to monitor flights going over. They were afraid of domestic terrorism. And, um, and so I had to work at 7 at night to 7 in the morning shift. And so I couldn't, I couldn't go to college because I was deployed, right? But um, so I just read for 12 hours a night, nonstop for over a year, because there's nothing else to do. Because you're watch, you're, you're in, you're in the dark, monitoring a, a, like a a facility, um, and you got to stay awake, awake all night. So I think that that also kind of jump started me into like, um, and I started reading into business books, and that kind of stuff started really resonating with me. And then um, it kind of went from there. That's wild. Books have played such a big role in my life too. When I felt like I had kind of flatlined, I took on this challenge to read 30 books in 30 days. Mm. And that's really what made me an avid reader from that moment on. So what's your favorite business book or two? So I would say that I've been doing a lot of audiobooks, but like I would, I think that, um, there's a handful of books I go to. I, I really like the art of war, like the old school art of war. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my favorites because I feel like there's fundamental truths in everything and like that you can apply to all situations. So if it works here, if that, if that truth or that value works there, chances are you'll be able to leverage it somewhere else. So like one of my, one of the books I I love the most is, is the art of war for that reason, because I can return to it and there's just value that you're, it's not a situational value where the application is like in this, in like in the scaling company at this moment, you can apply these variables. It's like in any business, in any scenario, in any operation, there's fundamental truths about how people work and how you work. And there's execution principles. So I would say that one is probably one of the books that I return to or return to the most because I feel like it has so much legacy to it. It's a great book. Everyone needs to read that. What are you reading right now? Out of curiosity. Um, well, so right now I found this app called Blinkist. So I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but you're going through books. And so I'm doing biographies. So Abe Lincoln, I'm going through the different presidents. Um, I just read the, um, the, uh, so I've been going through, um, a lot of the legacy figures. Like I actually just finished, um, Trump's, his, his biography that he did a few years ago or mm-hmm. a couple decades ago. Um, so that's the one that most recent one I finished is the art of the deal. I think it was art of the deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's funny. Business biographies are my favorite books. Every time people ask, I'll say, you know, I learned the most not by seven steps to this or 10 steps. I learned from people's stories on how they failed and how they, what they overcame and their oh shit moments and all that stuff. Those are the ones that I feel like I take the most away from. Yeah. And I think the reason why is because that's like in the trench warfare, that's when it gets real. Like that's when people really understand um, what, like, there's so much value in, in, in the moment and learning in the moment. And so I a hundred percent agree. Like I, I, it almost like a book will turn me off if the titles like seven ways to whatever, even though there's still value there. Um, I just love the guys who are like, look, this is what happened. This is what, this is the reality of like what I had to go through. Uh, this, these are the moments that were really painful, but this is like how, what happened on the other end. And I think there's so much value in that. Yeah, totally. Almost like a podcast, I guess, what we're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all this reading, all the hard work on, yep. on the farms, um, your service, and thank you for your service, by the way, all of that has turned you into this business ninja that is the genius behind iHeartDogs.com. And mm-hmm. I have to take a moment here to say anything dog related, my wife and I are too 
feed in. Like we are dog obsessed. <laughs> we have a golden doodle named Waffles, and wow. she, she yeah, she's our she's our kid. She's our entire life. I love it. So, um, you know, iHeartDogs.com, which Ooh. is like the ultimate pet information website on Ooh. the web today. Where Ooh. did this idea come from? So there's actually multiple sites. <laughs> there's iHeart Cats. We have iHeart Horses. We have iHeart Birds. Like believe it or not, we have. And we have a plethora of other sites. And so here's where it came from is like, so like I, I'm, I'm more of the guy. So I think in the real, in the internet marketing world, there's different types of personalities. Like there's data driven people. Um, I'm the kind of the guy who would just kick down the door and figure a way to do it. Like that's just, that's just how, that's how I am. So I partner really, really well with kind of data driven, more reclusive people, like techie people who are like, like who love metrics and data, but kind of get scared easily because there's. Uh, and, and I'm more of the ones like, no, there's a way we got to figure it out. Like there's, there's, if I believe there's a way to do it, we're just going to figure it out. Whether, whatever has to happen to make that right. Like, so, um, so what happened was about seven, so about seven or eight years ago, um, like I, the only internet, the only skill I had at all online period was checking my email. That's it. Wow. And, um, so I had a friend of mine and that was like, Hey, my friend has a website. And I was in a period of transition where I really know what I was going to do. And like I'd done real estate before and, and the market had changed. And it was like, I don't want to be in that anymore. And I was like, ah, everyone has a website. So the next month he says, hey, my friend has a website. And I'm like, ah, everyone has a website, dude. And then the third month he comes back and he's like, all right, dude. He has this website. It's like for custom cars or something. It's like a classified site, like an auto trader style. And he needs someone to sell advertising. And I was like, you know what? I got to do something. I can sell anything. You know, I felt like I could. I was like, I'll sell it. Um, so call the guy up. I meet him. The guy's living in an office and like just the, the thing holding is a complete mess. It's barely alive. And like, I was like, I was like, I just looked at this business and I just felt something like my gut was like, there's something here. I don't know anything about the internet. So I said, look, here's the deal. Give me half the business. We'll, we'll put this together, you know, and then I'll just, I, you can't pay me. Let's just try to make money with this thing. And so the first day I picked the phone up and I called State Farm and I was like, hey, I, I have this site and there's people who have cars, so they obviously need insurance. So like, why don't I sell you leads? And they hung up on me. Boom. <laughs> and I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. So I, I called them back and they keep hanging up on me. And um, from there, like I got into the internet world. So that was like the beginning of it. Started in sales then I started to learn how uh, advertising worked online. And then I was like, well, if I can sell a physical product, I can sell a digital product. And kind of like had to learn from there. So everything, like I had no, no one taught, had taught me anything. I just had to Google university everything. So we built, so after about three years, this business was cranking. It was making money. A group, some, a group came down and said, hey, we, we, you know, we're in the automotive space. Big budget's there. We want to buy it from you. We sold it. Um, and then the next thing was like, all right, what's next? And so through networks or whatever, I had met Justin, my partner now, who's one of the most brilliant marketers I've ever met. And he had a Facebook page. So he had a Facebook page, and it was like, uh, I love my dog. And then he had a website called the I love my dog site.com. It was like, it was like <laughs> 10 words. And he was an internet marketer. And so in his mind, he's like, I just need something to send people to. And that was early Facebook algorithm. So it was like lots of traffic for free, easy to buy fans, right? And he was a marketing guy. So he was just building these things. And I was like, dude, you know. I, there's something here. Again, I got that kind of like gut feeling like there's something big here. And, um, so I was like, all right, man, like, let's let, like, and my wife was even telling me like, dude, there's something with this. There's something here. Like, and she, my wife is a, is like the, she is like the best thing that ever happened to me. She definitely has a, a, a really keen sense to vet opportunity. Um, and so I, like, she's my filter. She just is so good at filtering. So um, I, she's, when she's like on to something, then I know that I'm on to something. So anyways, I met him. I, said, I sat him down. I said, look, dude, you have, a, you have a Facebook page. You have a website. And it was like a different, you know, the website that Cat one and with some other stuff. And I was like, look, the industry's big. feels like it's growing. It feels like there's a big market there. It's a global market. Um, like, let's build something together. And where you're afraid, I'm not afraid. And where, where I'm afraid, you're not afraid. So like, Let's put this together. And the part, it was really cool because we're so different. We're like radically different people. So we met in a coffee shop. We signed some, we made some, typed up some kind of agreement or right, mission <laughs> statement, blah, blah, blah. And then um, since that point in time, we've probably done close to $30 million. 
Wow. And, and, um, it's, and we're not even like today we're, we 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 just got the reporting. We launched a new product and it's like already, it's, it's like, you know, has a great pulse. So it's like, uh, so it's been quite, quite an adventure. Um, and since that point in time, we've, we've built, uh, we've rebranded the iHeart brand. So we have iHeart dogs, cats, other ones. Um, but it's really a model. So going back to like the, the value of what it is, is we're developing models. And the reality is we can use those models anywhere. We happen to be in a niche that we can't even find the bottom in. Like the more we do, the more we find opportunity. So, um, so now it's like from there it was a coffee shop, me and him in a coffee shop, two people, some, some like a few VAs. Uh, now we have 50 people. Jeez. It, yeah. So that's wild. So $30 million. You haven't even gotten near scraping the bottom and yeah, like, you have a 50 person, uh, company that you built basically out of, Hey, you're good at this. I'm good at this. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And it's like, we, like I'm sitting in our fulfillment center in Anaheim. We, we didn't know anything about how to fill our own product. We had no clue even where to get racks to set product on. Uh, and we launched it in January of this year. We had, we just built the parachute after we jumped and, and it's been a learning process, but, um, we're like, we got a whole team out there. It's just cranking product thousands of orders a day. It's amazing. So there's, you know, the number of people out there that are trying to be internet um, entrepreneurs is in the millions and millions and millions. What is it? What are one or two things that made your brand take off and be so successful compared to what everyone else is trying to do? What can we learn from it? Great question. I think that um, what we've learned about brand is like it, people want an authentic, something that's authentic. Like they, like we crave authenticity in a world that's so fake. So to stand out in the crowd, I think that one thing is we one 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 strategy we use is like. With the, in our company, we wanted to start from ground one. Like we want to make sure that we make an impact in the world with whatever we do, and so we try to give back to the communities that we serve. So in the pet space, especially dogs, shelters are, is a big part of our DNA, and we're always feeding shelter dogs. In fact, I think we just hit uh, eight million dogs fed in the past twenty four months, and um, so with that, so here's what, so we took a program. We said, okay, what really matters to people in this space? And it was like shelters and dogs that don't have homes are waiting. So we built a program to feed them. But then what we did is we went further than like most company, most brands go. Um, is, and as we just basically, we'll spend money just to let people know their impact. So like we'll remarket stuff to people. They're like, hey, here's an impact story of, of literally this dog that was, a part of, that was saved because of the program that you were part of with no ROI expected. Like we literally just pay um, to basically show them the imp their impact. And so um, we try to be as transparent and authentic as possible. And I think that is key. If you, if you think they're, like we see numbers, but they're people like us with needs and desires. Um, and they want to make they, people, when they, when they invest in a brand or they buy something, they want to feel good about it, not just the purchase, but like they want to feel good that the brand they're buying from is authentic too. And the more authentic you can be, uh, the more you're going to attract people. That's wild. So it's literally this basis of trying to give back to whichever community you serve. That's been one of the biggest springboards to what you guys have done up to this point. Yeah, that's definitely launched. Like that frames up the way you, that gives you a conversation context with your audience. So like it gives you stuff to talk about outside of just like, this is my product. This is what I sell. This is how much it costs. Right? Like, so like when you talk, if you're just talking about like, buy this, buy that, here's this, here's this, the greatest thing since sliced bread, whatever, whatever. It's kind of like, eh. but if you're like, Hey, this is, Hey, we're, look, look what we did. Like, look what happened here. Look, look at this opportunity. Look at, you know, it's like, it's like it, they, they, they feel, they start feeling like part of a, a movement. And, um, it's, it's such a, in like when you, their inbox is full of like buy me offers and then they can, and you, and that lands in there, it just creates a different experience for them. So it definitely has framed up the opportunity to communicate with them. Um, and, and talk with them about things that aren't just like sale or sales oriented or revenue oriented, um, which I think adds a ton of value. That's genius. In other words, your display of generosity is really been, has, has been what drives people back to your website. And of course they make a purchase while they're there. And I think that that, that even further goes them to recommend. Cause like one of the things that I've always been good at is creating communities. Like that's just because, um, and so in, in the automotive business we sold, we actually had such a, a, a community. They were actually printing their own stickers and shirts just because they wanted them. Like we didn't even pay for that. Like they would just do it themselves. And so 
like when you get people part of something, they feel really good. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to share it on social, right? They're going to like it becomes part of their identity, and then they express that. So um, it certainly has been a, a good part for us. Well, first of all, it, we wanted to make an impact in the world, so there was only the only option was to do to include that into anything we do, some kind of get back. But um, it certainly does allow the it, the business to be more than to have a lot more interaction with customers. It's not just tra like transactional. It's absolutely incredible. You know, on your website, it says your goal is to encourage others to free themselves from the bondage of fear and failure and yep. to step out courageously to achieve their dreams. Does that have to do with teaching other people how to do this same type of thing in their business? Totally. I think that fear is the biggest limiter. I mean, people will say that, but like if you struggle, there's no, you never get rid of fear. Like you just battle it. And the more complicated life gets, the more complicated businesses get, the more that can play in. And so like I've had moments of breakdown. I've had moments of anxiety and they still happen. And when I look back in different phases of building, I realize like, man, like, like I had such a limited perspective of what I was building or what it was. And so I think the freedom comes from understanding that like, um, that, you know, fear, fear is going to, it's a mind game, hundred percent. Building a business is a mind game. And if you can build those things and processes into it, seek mentorship, you know, find support, things like that, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to move past that and actually move the business forward and move your, your initiative forward and things like that. So, so can you give us an example of a specific time that you were literally, you know, stopped in your tracks by fear but yeah. you moved forward anyway and it worked out? Yeah, I, here's so an example is like even this is recent too. Like this is something I think the reality is like anyone you see on a magazine or whatever, like there's no like the more complicated an organization gets, the more things you just have hitting you, right? And so like I think a few weeks ago even it was like you know there was a moment where it just everything hit right. So it was like there's an issue here, there's an issue here, and there's a hundred issues, hundred fires, right? And when you're building a business, you know, you're looking, okay, cash flow, net cash flow, there's all these things you got to understand, right? Day one, you got to understand a ton more complexity than you were ever learned to, right? So you're trying to learn and, and, and there's a fear of like, I, and all of a sudden I had this, just like, I let, I let it, my mind go. Like I literally didn't, I like let the fear take a foothold in my thinking and it just started influencing my thoughts. You can't do this. Um, oh, now you're going to fail. You're going to have to, you know, like literally like you're up to take your kid out of school. You're not going to be able to do this. And I was like, what is this noise? Like, what is this? Where is this coming from? Right. And I think that and then, you know, I had these moments of like, just like almost like I felt like I gave up. I was like, and then my wife is just amazing. She's like, what's what are you doing? Like, snap out of it. I think in that moment, I realized like that there's no there's no there's no you don't escape fear. Um and, and I think that support system is so crucial. You got to have people who support you because my wife was just like, look, you're just feeling that now and this fear is not real. Like it's not a fact. It's an emotion. Um, and so uh, like I literally had to like have a, have a come to Jesus moment with myself and like, nah, you know what I mean? Like you are, your mind's in the wrong place. Look, look at what's good. Because we always go to what's negative. We never go to what's positive. So if we're like, oh, that could happen, that could happen, it's never like positive things, which have the, probably the same, if not more, opportunity for happening, right? It's always negative. It's always like that, that could happen, uh oh, uh oh, you know? And um, so I think it's a re I just had to do a reboot. I literally took a few days off and I just sat with my family. And I think that I just like needed them. Like they're my battery. And I just sat there and I just said, you know what? I've always been a fighter. Like, I like to be the underdog. I like to be in the corner. I've always fought my way out of the corner. You know, I've always been the person in business. I've always been the business that, like, didn't have the resources, didn't have the money, didn't have the people, but just felt like I'm going to, I don't care. I'm going to figure it out anyways. And so, like, when I find myself feeling that and I, I can, I'll put myself in that position and, and I'll remember that and I'll affirm myself. And then it's, all right, well, you know what? Like, let's just cut the noise out. Let's focus on a win. Let's find a win. Let's find a win. And then once you find a win, it's easier to find more wins and you find yourself kind of like moving past that. Well, Marshall, you know what I love is how much you, you love your wife and how much of a key part of your business she plays by being that backbone for you and being a sounding board for you and being a visionary for you. You and I have that in common. And when you find that support structure, spouse or not spouse, it could be anybody, mm -hmm. it's so freaking crucial, isn't it? 
oh, you need it. It's like, it's that, that is, it's just how we're wired. We need someone to slap us, throw water on us and say, just get up. You're better than this. Because like in the, we're, we, as people in general, we self-defeat the most. And like when you see people who you see have a lot of potential and you're like wondering why they don't live, live up to it or like, man, they, why, why are they having these challenges or whatever? Usually there's a lot of mental um, banter going on. There's a lot of self-defeat. So having someone who knows you and that has a vested interest in, in, in being honest with you and saying and giving you the truth uh, is critical. It's been critical for me. Um, and especially as things get more complicated. Absolutely. Like it's, 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 it's just amazing. Um, and I couldn't do it with, I couldn't do it without her. Yeah. Well, no you and me both, you and me both. Yeah. So speaking of fear, people are oftentimes yeah. way too afraid that they're not qualified to start a business or succeed in business or to grow a business. And in one of your recent blogs, I read, you have a list of people who were also deemed not qualified in other people's eyes, yet they've accomplished some of the world's most epic things ever. So how does one get past this feeling of waiting to be anointed as qualified? Oh, man. Um, first of all, if that's your question, I would say stop and start and, and, and just start processing the message, what you're, what, how you're talking to yourself, because we get the idea of qualification usually from our past. It's baggage. Um, it could be like when I was growing up, I had ADD in school. So like when I was in school, um, it was hard to pay attention. So like it was easier to be the class clown because, um, I could literally, um, I, like I acceptance to my peers, you know what I mean? And like, it gave me a, a comic relief from feeling really frustrated from not being able to really focus or, or, you know, perform or, you know, things like that. And I, so I, I remember early on, it was like, I, I wasn't qualified to be like smart, right? Like it was like, you know, I, I struggled with this and it was just going to be that. And then one kid one day said to me, like, dude, you're not stupid. Stop acting like it. And, and like, I think that I had that voice and that changed a lot of it. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I can understand this if I apply myself a different way. So kind of going into qualification is like, everyone is, you're only qualified for what you let yourself do. So like you are the only person who will keep your, push yourself forward to keep yourself back. And, um, when you hear your voice in your head say, am I qualified or anything like that? Like that's the first step. Like recognize that and say, okay, there's something here I need to dig out. I need to, there's something here I've got to pull out. Like I've got to address, I've got to dig in because that will defeat you later because it, it only gets worse. It only gets more complicated. It only gets louder if you don't address it. It's so, it's so true. It's so incredible. And you know, one of the things that we have the biggest fears around is money. Uh, everybody, mm -hmm. I believe yep. that everybody, no matter what level you're at, you've got some kind of fear at some level around money. Yep. And you and I also have something in common, and that is we've each once lost it all mm -hmm. and had to start over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a chapter in your life that can probably be the scariest for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They're either afraid of this happening or once it happens, they're afraid they're never going to get out of it. Can you kind of talk us through that chapter in your life and how you got out of it to thrive? Yeah, no, and, I'll, and I'll say that it was a process. It was like, so when you... Like success can also defeat you. And I think that's what happened. Like we're really successful in one area and thought it was me. Like I got this, I had this. And um, we and my wife actually collectively call it our time in the desert because like we just got married. We were at fallout of real estate. So we, were, we started like trying to build businesses with a lot of cash up front running debt that we, you know, with money we didn't have thinking it's just going to come back around like it had been and it didn't. And so like then during a period of time, we actually moved out to Sedona, Arizona, our, our in-laws had a house there. And we're like, oh, we just got married. We'll do this. And it's, it's a very isolated place. And it wasn't on purpose. But like we, you know, going from making hundreds of thousands a year to nothing, zero, and then trying to figure out how to make it work, I literally, like that was where I really hit rock bottom. Um, because like I had my car repossessed with Christmas presents in it, literally oh. out of my driveway. And then I had to drive 10 miles. And then somebody had broken into it and just completely taken everything. I, I, we were, we literally didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. And like a neighbor would bring groceries and we didn't plan that. Um, and there was times where like, it just, I just felt so empty. And I was, and I remember one moment where I, where I was like sitting and I was drinking a lot too. Like you're just depressed. It was just, 
and you're trying to fight something and there's, you don't even know what it is. It's like, but it's really yourself. It's your pride. And I was in this moment where I, and I said to myself, man, I, I like, I'd kill somebody to get out of the situation and I would not kill somebody. That was not the thing. But like the fact that I said that I startled myself, like, what is going on? Like, it wasn't that I would hurt, harm somebody. It was just that like, I was like, I was basically not taking responsibility for where I was and I was not taking control of where I was. I was just being a victim and you know, like that, what was me thing. And, um, from that point forward, like, I think a few weeks later, I literally like, all right, where do you start? My, my start back was I took a job making seven bucks an hour, driving 60 miles each way to work, build garages. Wow. Like, so, so going from hundreds of thousands a year to $7 an hour on payroll, driving 60 miles in a car that was about to be repoed is a humbling experience. And, um, I just think that you, and like, so for me, my wife, we just said, okay. And I think it literally is like, all right, we have to accept that. Like, look, we have responsibility in all this. It wasn't just things didn't just happen. Like we are part of that. And then you just start and we just had to rebuild it. We literally had to move back into her parents' house. Um, But one of the big things was like, I decided like I need to be around people that are going places. I need to be around people who are growing, who are seeking, who are building. And so Part of that initiative was like there was a huge challenge financially starting in the red and we didn't have a place to stay. But part of it was like being around people that were going places that changes who you are and your mindset. The value that people who are forward thinking, who are fearless, like just that's contagious. So I just started planning those people in my life. It just happened. And you go into money. I think the biggest shift that happened in that season was uh, a mentor of mine calls it the poor boy mindset. So like if you grow up in a family or a family that's service oriented or maybe just made enough money to get by or whatever, you tend to undervalue yourself quite a bit. And you almost feel bad asking for the return on value that you provide. And so after that season, one of the biggest things I had to break through was like that poor boy mentality. Like growing up, a family who was service oriented that never asked for everything or anything, but that gave everything. Uh, I had to do a value shift in that and, and, um, really understand that like the, the whole point of building anything is to create value and capitalize on it, period, whatever that looks like. And you got to be able to ask for the, as much value as you create. So, um, that fundamental principle kind of started at that point after that whole desert experience, we start rebuilding our lives, um, you know, one making payments on things. We then literally got audited once we got back by IRS. So it was like, oh, we're, go, we're, we're making it. And then boom, audited, owed $15,000, $20,000. And they, IRS charges interest every single day, right? Uh-huh. So like literally climbing up, get kicked down, climbing up. Get kicked, but you know what? Um, being around good people, they helps you survive. You, you know, it helps you grow. And I think that um, – working on myself and my mind, um, you know, that was a big part of that. So it's a lot of personal development. I think you like whatever is down in the well comes up in the bucket. Mm-hmm. And so just as a person, whatever you build will manifest things inside of you. So if you aren't, if you haven't worked on yourself, then you, what you're going to output is going to reflect what the turmoil that's going on inside or the fear or any of that too. So it was quite a journey for us. I, you know, I couldn't agree more that I love that phrase. I never heard that before. What's down in the well will come up in the, in the bucket. So picture somebody who's listening right now, who is exactly yep. at the same low point you were at, exactly yep. at the same low point that Lori and I had experienced once mm-hmm. too. Um, where's the first place they should turn? Is it a person? Is it a book? Is it a class? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. You have to find somebody who is going somewhere. And I know it's loaded, but like if you go to the people who are comfortable being where you are now, you're not going to get any further than that. And it, it's seeking. It's I, for me, one of the biggest, the highest value uh, exchange I ever had was I'd, I'd, I'd find people and say, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And I just, for the cost of a cup of coffee, I get a 30 minutes, an hour conversation. Most people who are building or are successful or who uh, are really, you know, are really driven, love to help people. They love it. So you find people who are going places, people who are, um, thinkers, innovators, um, doesn't have to be that like they're a CEO of a company. It could be someone who is building something, but like you want, you want to surround yourself with people that are going to move you forward. 
And that's the first thing I think the highest value thing that, that we did, that I did was that like, I got to put myself around people who can think me out, help me think out of the scenario I'm at, like not the status quo. So I would say the first thing you'll do is either find a mentor. Sometimes that's hard, the term mentor, but here's, here's the, here's the magic. You don't have to call it a mentor. I would find a cup of coffee, meet with someone for a cup of coffee. You don't have to call them your mentor, say be mentored. They will mentor you if they're a student. Because mo- every student also likes to have a student. Mm-hmm. With, without a doubt, they do. It's, I feel like you're always a student. Yeah. Uh, you know, the more successful you, you become, quite honestly, I f- feel like you, you seek out people who are already where you want to be even more. And at the same time, you try and serve people who want to be where you are even more. Right. And that's kind of when life becomes beautiful. When mm-hmm. you're looking up to somebody and you're also lifting up somebody else at the same time. Totally. I think, I think that there's a, I think that if people can, if people that are a few steps of, like ahead of you can help people who've been through that, like there's a lot of genuine people I've met in seeking that are, that have been instrumental. And I think that, um, you, they're out there and you're going to have to do the work because no one's going to do this for you. I think this is one of the other lessons too. It's like, you have to be willing to, you know, I used to, you know, if I could get a meeting with somebody, I would do it, whether it was 45 minutes away. Right. And or whatever, like it's just, you're going to have to hustle a little bit to try to find those connections. But when you build them, that network becomes instrumental and valuable in your life and whatever you want to build. Um, so it really does. And, and that, you know, back to the fear thing, people have fear around seeking out those mentors, but Mm -hmm. it's the most valuable thing you can really do. Exactly. And, And I think that like, it just, it comes from like, Oh, what do I do? How do I do it? Like, and I'll give everyone who's listening. And this is what I tell people. Don't overcomplicate it. Just ask someone if you can go get coffee with them and ask. And, and the key is when, and when you do that, see, good questions are everything. Mm-hmm. So literally just do your homework. If it's value, if it means a lot to you, it's valuable to you. But find someone to get a cup of coffee with. Write down three, four, five questions that are good questions that, 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 to ask them so you're prepared. They'll appreciate that. But that's it. Literally just find someone to get a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be the best person. You can just start – or make an appointment. Say, hey, every week, every Wednesday, I'm having coffee with somebody. So let's just start booking that. Who is that? Oh, I love and, that. So intentional. Yeah. And it's just like you make it part of your process. Because it, it, it is. It's learning. It's investing. So it's just like you make it part of your schedule. Every Wednesday at 10, I'm have coffee with somebody. You just get them on the calendar. And you, buy, you pay five bucks for a cup of coffee. And what you get from that, it's way more than $5 in value. Way more. I couldn't agree more. So you've been dead broke. And yeah. you've been very wealthy. And I've got to ask, how has your own journey with your money mindset evolved? And I loved your story, by the way, about the, the mentor that taught you how to ask for value in return when you're providing value. But mm-hmm. where did it start and where is it now? So I think that like, I just love to, I just love to, I've always been motivated. Everyone's motivated differently by different things. Um, for me, it's never been like to, to get money. It's to solve problems and beat challenges. Like I like to win. I'm very competitive in that way. Right. So like, so for me, if you're in the right place doing that, right, there's money that comes. My wife and I just love to, and I know Justin, my partner, that's part of what really binds us is like, we love to be able to do things for people. Like we love to give, um, to help people who, um, just need that, like who, who need that hand up. And because we went through that whole period of time, um, the, we've been there when we, we can feel the emotions. It feels when you get that letter from the IRS, mm-hmm. we can feel the emotions when you don't have food. We can feel the emotions when you don't have gas or you don't have a car. And like, because of that, we have a soft spot for um, people in that, that, that situation. So like we look at our money as like, we're stewards of this and it can either, and there's certainly principles of financial uh, responsibility got that right but for us we love to be able to um like not only work hard win in our in our business life but also be able to impact the lives of others because there's a lot you don't see it's kind of like starting a fire in a way where it's like you can impact one person's life whatever it is you know how whether it's like you know uh helping them with this or like or there's organizations and whatever really you know matches your uh does what, whatever your desire is to, to, for impact. But like, it's, it's cool because like you can, 
you can invest in, in, in scenarios and people and, and that have generational impact. So like our company, you know, what we'll do is we bought a well for a community and that's going to serve that community for 30 years, generations of people. So, so going back to what your question was, like, I think that for us, like we, I feel like that the world needs more generous people with money, period. Um, and I think genuinely in generous, meaning you're genuinely interested in changing people's lives. And, um, there, like, there's definitely a lack of that. I think I could agree sure. more. And, and here's the ironic thing about it too. And, and you can agree or disagree. I feel like when you say, okay, I'm going to go out and make money for my own selfish purpose. That's when fear kind of stops you because it's a selfish purpose. But when you say, okay, I'm going to go out and make money because I need to improve this in the world or that in the world, or I need to improve this for my family or for this mm -hmm. family. Then I feel like when fear shows up, all of a sudden you say, well, I've got a big, big responsibility here. So I'm going to push through this anyways, because it's not this small little selfish motivated thing. Right. So I think that like the, the hybrid is where, where, where we like to live, which is because like I've, I've done both where like, Hey, this is like, it almost so like if you're too into like, this is going to make an impact and not about the business, then it becomes kind of a, sh like a, a shell without an egg. So it's like, Hey, I'm going to go feed hungry kids and or whatever. And then if that's your main focus, but the business isn't really good, then it'll fall flat the other way around too. Like the business, you can make a lot of money and, and really in, in your heart's not in the right place and you know, the impact isn't what it is. I think there's a great duality and I think this is where it comes for us. The beacon is this. We want to build profitable businesses that make an impact in the world, period. So like and net profitable businesses. Like I don't want to – we don't want to build a nonprofit, right? Because mm – -hmm. We want to, so we want to challenge ourselves to build profitable businesses that make an impact. Um, and so the duality of that is, yeah, you're going to have to make decisions for revenue. Yeah, you're going to have to make decisions for um, – you're going to have to be good stewards of your team, your talent, your time, right? And we're going to weave in there. But right alongside that, you're also going to have to make decisions to, uh, to, to make an impact – and then when you so when you are making these key decisions, you make sure that both of those are covered. Like, am I just making a financial decision? Am I just making a, a philanthropic decision that that will hurt the business? So that keeps it from sustaining long term giving. So I feel like the the duality of it is: so I really care about this. I want to make a difference here, and this is this is an area this is an area that I want to go after because I feel like. It's part of my DNA. It's going to challenge me. There's opportunity. And how do I put together the two so that both win long-term? I love it. Marshall, I, I love the way that you, you view money and the way you view it as this tool, but you're also not afraid of profit. What are some of your favorite money mindset tools that have gotten you to this place? As far as like um, like physical tools or... I mean, anything. Is it books or courses or mantras or like how have you gotten to this place of really being so comfortable around the idea of both making and then leveraging money as a tool. I think you know what it really comes, goes back to what we just said is people. So like I, like one of my mentors that I have is one of the, one of the first people that I met that was a millionaire that, that literally was very successful that also had a genuine interest in um, giving people. Mm. And so I remember being at lunch one time and we were looking at a menu and he was like, all right, I can get the $15 salad or I can get the $13 salad. I'm going to give the 13 and I'm going to give two bucks away. And it was like, what? <sighs> I remember being like, wow, that's just crazy. Like he was like, he, like he took the action of making a decision and that, you know, and, and literally like I've had conversations with him where he's like, yeah, I had a, I had a goal to give this year and I didn't hit that. But I still gave like, and it was like, it was a big goal. And it was like, wow, I can't wrap my head around that. Like how, like, that's just so, so I think that for me, really it's been influence from really, from people who are, who are genuine about um, money, like who really are good with money, but also know it's not about them and that the power to impact people's lives through giving through money um, uh, is substantial. And and and, they, and I think that the key is too is like when someone's really genuine about wanting to do it, it's not about them. It's not about a plaque. It's not about a park bench. It's not about a gymnasium. It's not about right. 
it's about it's between it's really yeah it's it's a personal interest in um it's almost it becomes your personal mission right and and it becomes just fulfilling that personal mission so to answer your question i think rather than for me personally it's been being around people who have had wealth and have been able to run both of those great profitable businesses successful making hard decisions fighting fear also making sure that part of that whole uh, duality is changing the world making an impact in people's lives you know doing everything they can to leave the world a better place when they go that's a great answer and by the way now you're paying it forward that's exactly what you're doing by opening up on this podcast for everybody else you're going to be somebody else's mentor at this point and they're going to have that view of money because of what you're sharing. So it, it just keeps going full circle. I love that. Yeah. And I'd never thought about that too, but it's like they've implanted that in me. And so like that just their time with me. Right. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I think that, yeah, I think that it really is. Um, and the growing up in, as a pastor's kid, like money was such a, um, a taboo topic because, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of misquoted biblical scripture that have to do with like, uh, money's bad, you know, like you can't have money, da, 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 da. And I, I, and like the more, and then that actually caged me for a long time, like feeling like weird, like, is it okay to make this much money? Like I don't, or is it okay to get money? Like, you know, and there's weird, all these weird processes. I think that like, it's really comes down to like w- the character of the individual and what they do with what they're given, whether it be money, time, resources, right? So like, if you make an effort to, that you're going to have, you know, intentionally, give back time, talent, resources, whatever, you're going to find value comes back to you. And it's not, you don't do it to get value, but, um, it just happens. It's just, it's just how the process works. It's funny. You mentioned growing up, um, as a pastor's kid. And of course, all of the common money myths that are told to us, you know, the, the lies that we tell ourselves about money. That was one of my favorite blogs of yours. It was addressing some of the common money myths or the, the money lies that we tell ourselves out there. What is your favorite money myth to debunk? Oh, um, I think that like that, I really think the general concept that money is evil, right? Like the money, money is a tool. So money is a tool just like anything, right? So you could pick up a hammer and do something great with it or do something terrible with it, right? Mm-hmm. Money is a tool. It's not, money is not bad. It's the character of the user. And so, um, if, if you're intentional about it, like you're like one of the biggest challenges I had that kind of set me into my season of where we lost everything was like, I had never understood how to deal with a surplus of money. Like I was good living paycheck to paycheck because that's what I was taught. Right. Mm -hmm. Like how do you budget for groceries and rent? And then you're like, you maybe see a movie like it was. And then, so all of a sudden I came from like one place where like, it's just, you get by to surplus and I had no, and like, and I was like, oh man, I don't really know like what to do with this. Like this is weird because, you know, like I was always taught the money wasn't good or it wasn't, you know, that was the, it wasn't like necessarily someone said that, but it was just conveyed, right? Like money can be, money's evil. And then I realized like, no, it's not. It's actually the individual who uses it. So it's a tool for whatever you want to use. And so um, we automatically also think that people who have money are responsible, they're not. That's why athletes who have a lot of money, we, we, cause we expect that like we have a lot of money and they're just stupid things. They're just people who haven't fit, really have not, you know, developed their character with money, you know? That's so, so true. So I hope that I know that was kind of a sidebar, but, um, I think that like, I think the biggest one is that money is evil. Uh, that, and I know that that's a, that's you're right there. Like that's a target you go after. Yep. Um, if you, I think that if people feel that way, I, I think the key really is to try to, to process why, and so, like, usually it comes from a place like we we're not born uh, within it with this idea that money's evil. Like that, that's given to us somewhere. So I think the key is like, if you feel that way, that will limit you because it does. There is a wiring system that happens. I think that's what kept me in the uh, like. I, it's it's like uh, it's only good to be like like it's bad to be have money. Like it was like it it influences your decisions whether you realize it or not. So I think that. If you feel that there's that's if that's part of your psyche or there's that's kind of a process or you think that or that that verbally comes into your head like or that or you're processing that continue to process it because um, it, it's something that will hold you back. Well, you gave such a great analogy with a hammer. It could be a tool for good or a tool for bad. And I totally agree that money is just that. It's a tool and it's up to the user to do what they want with it. So 
being that it's up to the user to do what they want with it, I always make every guest do this two minutes of bragging. Sometimes <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's fun. But, <laughs> ready for this? What is one of your all-time favorite moments of generosity that you have done with this tool called money? Um, man, I you know what? It's actually it's almost like I want to defer that. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, because like part of and this is why. Um, part of like what me and my wife feel like we need to we need to do is actually not like we love the absence of taking. Um, responsibility for that. Like we, we feel like it's between us. Uh, and we'll have, like for us, it's really like, you know, like if we're at church or something and we feel like there's a, like that, that God puts something on our heart, like, Hey, there's, you know, moves us in a certain way. Uh, we may, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it and stuff like that. And so I think for us, what I will say, I think to answer that question is like, there's been times where as we're building, you know, as we're growing in, in life, financially, whatever, and we literally like finally got like a little bit together, like, oh man, like, yeah, we got some, we got a little bit in the bank, right? Like there's some in the bank and we felt like something's come along and we just felt like there's been times where we felt like, you know, like, I don't know why, like, we're so happy to have our stuff in our account, but like we, but something moved, we, you know, we felt moved to like, all right, give it all or give most of it. Like, after just pulling together, especially out of a season of like the desert. So there's been times where we've, we've heeded that call. And I will tell you though, that, um, amazing things ha have always happened. Like it's, and we don't do generosity for things to happen, but it's amazing how things like a spirit of generosity does what it does for you physically, emotionally, you know, all that. So for us, like we actually like to, um, our big thing is actually just to keep now for the company. We love talking about it because we want our team to be a part of it. So like in that set aspect of it, we do a lot. Um, we're building a school in South America right now with Prince of the promise. It's one of Lewis's things too. Yes. Love that charity. Yeah. So for us, like, I guess I'm going to defer your answer a little bit. And, and, and the reason being is because we actually feel our calling is to do that stuff quietly. Like we feel like our mission is to do that stuff um, anonymously. And one of the, one of our dreams has always been to be able to walk into a place that, or, or go into someone's life, um, and be able to help and to be able to contribute value to them without them knowing who we are. Oh, I love that. By the way, you did answer the question. Well, your example of, you know, sometimes you're called to give more than you expected to, to give as soon as you, you just accumulated it. That is a powerful answer in itself. And God, there's a book that was all about that. And I can't remember what it was. It was one of the books I, I read about two years ago. So freaking good where this gentleman, every time that he would accumulate a little bit of wealth, he'd receive this calling. There's nothing else to call it, but a calling to give it all away in this random moment's notice. Every time he did, <laughs> it would pay him back significantly more yep. than what he gave away. And he didn't do it to get something back. It was right. just a scary calling that he rose to the occasion anyways. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that does happen. And I, but I think that the key is it's like, it's a matter of the heart. That's one of the big things. It's like, if you give to get, it's a different process than if like, you feel like I should do this. Like it's, and you submit to that call. Um, so like for us, we're like, it, it's exciting when we make that commitment. And the thing is I'll tell people too, is like, sometimes those, like those things are made with like, sometimes those, those commitments are made in a way where like it, we make it, but our hands, it, it has to be pulled out of our hands. Like sometimes those are made, those, those commitments are made without dry eyes. Like mm -hmm. it's in, in, in fear, like, yeah, we should do this, but what if? Yeah. Like, what if? Um, and those are the, but I just, every time you do that, though, it develops you. It just, there's something that, some growth that happens that can't be explained when you really um, intentionally, from the right place, want to see someone else or something else better. And you make, you contribute that. Well, listen, you know, God, God is one heck of a designer, right? And so I feel like, he intrinsically made it that way on purpose to for us to receive satisfaction from helping other people, giving to other people. And I know a lot of times we're quick to throw our, our hands up, and say, no, 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 well, you know, I'm not doing this for the satisfaction, but come on, he built us that way. He yep. made it feel good so that we would do it just yep. like reproducing. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy yeah. analogy, but right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, and I, and I and I think that that's that's there's some awesome power in that too. I mean, so I you know the so the business. So the cool thing is like so kind of going full circle is like if you can build something that you that uh, you care about that as part of what as part of its operating protocol makes a difference in the world. It is an awesome place to be. Without a doubt. So uh, before I ask you the final question here, yep. where can we find you? I mean, everyone's going to want to track you mm -hmm. down and find out how they can learn from you. Where can we find you? So um, I would say that uh, <laughs> I um, I would say that I, is it okay to give my email out? Because Please, I have a, anything okay. you want to give, a website or a okay. e course or anything. Yeah. So like I, um, I dabbled, I think in the future, my goal is to actually maybe even build some kind of um, high level mastermind kind of online program just, but like, I want to make sure that like I can deliver the value that I would want. Um, but so right now people can, if they want to email me, it's MM like Marshall Morris, MM at home .com, one word, home uh, .com, So MM at home .com, And, uh, that's really it. Like I, like you've asked me for a biopic. It's like, I haven't even done that. Um, I, I, I plan on getting myself together at some point in time. I, I don't know. You know what? There's, there's kind of a beauty in the, uh, in the jagged edges of it all, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's like one of those things. Yeah, there is. I mean, I just feel like right now, um, I'm, it, everything happens in seasons. Um, we're de I'm definitely in like a heads down build season, with the business with the team and all that and the family, having a young family, so it's, it's just a messy, fun, crazy schedule, and yeah, I wouldn't trade anything for it. Well, you're doing it in a way that is um, definitely something that we can all look up to. So last question is this, mm -hmm. and it's a signature question everyone answers. Okay. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth? Um, yeah, I love that. Um, I think because I think people – I think people – I think the the world needs people who are ruthlessly unafraid to to um, step out and do what it takes to to make change where they feel like they need to make change, and like initiatives or like money as a tool can do amazing things, and I think that if you're in a, a place where you're genuine about um, what you want to do and how you operate, um, there's no reason to apologize for that skill set. And it is. It's, some people are gifted in some ways. Some people are gifted as craftsmen. Some people are gifted in a spoken word. Some people are gifted as musicians, right? There are people that, that are gifted as wealth creators. Like their gift is to make money. Like that's, like that's their gift. And so um, – you never want to apologize for what your skill set, just like you wouldn't apologize for being a craftsman or anything like that. So uh, I would never apologize for something that you're good at. And if you're using it and you're building something that has um, the power to change lives, especially, then, I mean, there's nothing, there's really nothing that anyone could do to, I would say, I would say don't let anyone keep you from that, that vision or that dream or that momentum or whatever. Um, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Like money and, and the word good don't go together that well, that often, but it's a good thing. Like if you can make money and, um, then you're going to put yourself in the, the ability to, to, you know, sh make, uh, allocations and really drive things that other people can't drive. And that's, that's where you need to live. And so do not apologize for it. Um, just do more of it. Go Man, for it. I love that. That's such a great answer. You're given the gifts for a reason, so be unapologetic about them. I yeah, love it. Marshall, listen, man, you dropped so much awesome knowledge. And on behalf of all the listeners, I just want to say thank you for showing up the way that you do because it makes a huge impact to each and every single person that's listening. Thank you. I, I just, I love, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate what you do. I think this is the conversation that needs to be had. This is the time to have it. So, I just want to say thank you to you two for having me, but also just stepping out, you know, every day, these things are hard to put on. I know there's a lot of work involved. So thank you too. I want to say thank you for, for all that you do for our communities. Oh, thank you, man. It's been my pleasure. 
Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.